0: Father, thank you that really every day should be Christmas Day for us. Every day we should get to celebrate that you've given us your son. That he was born to be a king. But first, he lived a perfect life. And he died the death we deserved. And he rose again so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be saved. And there's so many fun aspects of Christmas, but let us always remember what we really celebrate today is Jesus. Jesus Christ, our King. I pray as we look at his birth from the Gospel of Luke this morning, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and guidance, that you would speak to us from your Word, and help us, Lord, just to hear your voice. Jesus name amen so i real quick uh on wednesday night so we usually are going through the old testament on wednesday night i did a message from luke on wednesday night because i needed to get here and i didn't want to skip anything uh that message on wednesday was 28 minutes long it is officially the shortest message i have ever preached as the pastor of this church maybe even the shortest message i've ever preached that i actually prepared for it's possible um, I'm not going to try to beat it this morning. I'm going you to give you your money's worth today. <laughs> hour, hour and a half minimum. <laughs> Buckle up. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So we often think the birth of Jesus starts here. With a census and a journey to Bethlehem. But over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that it really started a long time before that, going back hundreds and even thousands of years as God promised this moment long before. I mentioned it last night, but we can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, where we, re- re- we would read, if we went back and read it, that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Now, anybody who has... Uh, a, a fairly basic knowledge of biology, knows that women don't have seed. Men do. So it spoke all the way back then of the virgin birth. All the way, and over, and over, and over again, we're told that the Messiah would be coming. And really, it even goes back farther than that. Because God's plan to send His Son into the world to save us from our sin was established according to Revelation 13.8 before the foundation of the world. He always knew what He would do. And I, for as long as I have been a Christian, have always been fascinated by that. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knew before He said, let there be anything. That his creation would rebel against him. He knew before he set Adam and Eve in the garden where they were naked and unashamed and had one rule to follow you can do anything you want, just don't eat that tree. And what do they do? Oh, but that tree looks really good. I know there's a lot more to it than that, but he knew, he knew that Eve would be deceived by the enemy. He knew that Adam would choose to live in exile with his wife the first act of idolatry over choosing to be obedient to God. God knew that. And then you can start moving forward. He knew he was eventually going to have to flood the earth because of the disobedience and rebellious uh, nature and, and the disgusting practices of the people. He knew he would do it, but he knew he would save Noah. And you could just keep going on and on and on. And he knew that if he created man on the sixth day, that Jesus would have to come and die to redeem us all. He knew that. And he did it anyway. There's a scripture I love in in Proverbs. It says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself The foolish pass on and perish. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not calling God foolish. But there are a lot of times I can see or I'm warned of through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, of the consequences of a specific decision or the consequences of a specific action. And sometimes I'm a prudent man. I foresee evil and I hide myself. Sometimes I'm the fool that passes on and perishes. God knew. God knew. He knew exactly what we would do. He knew every sin I would ever commit before he was knitting me together in my mother's womb. And he loved me enough to make me anyway and to send his son for me. And you too. I'm just of the opinion that I'm his favorite. We should all have that opinion. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm his favorite. First five verses of Luke chapter 2. So it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So we talked a moment ago about God being omniscient. He's also, also, also omnipresent. He's also omnipotent. God is sovereign over all creation. And there is nothing that is outside of his rule over the universe. And here we have an incredible demonstration of that. Last night for Christmas Eve, we studied Micah 5 too. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you be the smallest among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall come one to be ruler of my people. Right? A prediction in Micah 5 too, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Then I wrote in my notes that that passage also predicted the murder of the children in Bethlehem. That is wrong. So if that's in the bulletin notes, please forgive me. That's in Jeremiah chapter 31. I don't know why I wrote that that was here. But the prophecy that Herod would slaughter the the Bethlehem babies is in Jeremiah 31. It's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2. So think about this. Mary, nine months pregnant, right? Some of you have experienced that. I haven't. I've seen it. It, it looked uncomfortable. Um, I remember when my wife was pregnant with our son, the, the, the big furry one at the end there. And uh, and uh, she was pregnant. He was born in June. And we lived in California. And we got to summer, and it was hot. And we lived in this awesome mobile home park. So we lived in a tin can without air conditioning. And my wife, right, you, you've all seen my wife. She's this big. And, and she had a stomach that rivaled mine, right? She was huge. Huge when she was pregnant with John, and so she would go and float in the pool, right and she would just, she would just float in the pool and her belly would be sticking out of the water and, and, and that, but that would be the only way she could cool off. And I got that. I also thought it was really cute. Um, now, if she was nine months pregnant, and I said, "Hey, you know what we should do? We should go for an 80- mile walk Right? Right which, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's walk to the beach i i I would be alone now and have no other children, most likely, right? No, that it would have never made sense for Joseph and Mary to travel when she was that pregnant, especially the way people traveled back then. right? We often see the pictures of Joseph leading a donkey into Bethlehem. We don't know that they could afford that. We know Jesus rode into a donkey when he presented himself to the nation of Israel. But there's nothing in here that says Mary was riding a donkey. Just that they went. So the possibility exists that she walked. You wouldn't do that. But God, well, he had a problem, didn't he? God doesn't really have problems. But in Micah 5, 2, he said, that his son would be born in Bethlehem. And they weren't there. They were up in Nazareth. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move the hand of an emperor so that my will will come to pass. So one day, Caesar Augustus, we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a moment, but he was hanging out doing whatever Caesars do, probably killing people for no reason and, and, and drinking excessively. And he said, you know what? Let's count the Jewish people. That seems like a good idea. Anybody got any? Right, go go tell them that we're going to count the Jewish people. And so the message went on its way, arrived at just the right time. So that Joseph and Mary go, oh man, we got, we got to get to Bethlehem. And Mary, if she had seen different strokes, might have said, what are you talking about, Joseph? But they had to go because it was law. And they went. Only God could do that. So let's just do a little bit of background here. Caesar Augustus. He was also known as Octavian. And he was the first true Roman emperor. And he reigned from 7 BC until his death in 14 A.D. So his rule is Caesar. Boy, that fits our time frame pretty well, doesn't it? Well, then we have this guy named Quarinius. I think his parents didn't like him. Um, and a lot of people have problems with Quarinius being named here. And this is why. Because Quirinius governed, governed Syria starting somewhere around 6 A.D. Well, that would be too late for when Jesus was born. However, it's really easily solved. This has to do with Greek translation, because what this passage should say is before. It shouldn't say, the census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. It should read, this census took place before Quirinius was governing Syria. Jesus was born before 6 AD. Woohoo! There's no contradictions in the Bible. There's always a good answer for that. So they went up, and he went up to be registered with his betrothed. And we have talked about this several times, but it is worth mentioning again his betrothed wife. You had to go to your hometown to be counted, right? They didn't have the internet back then, or you could mail in your census thing. Um, and betrothed means in that time that they were engaged and they were legally bound, but they had not yet been officially married. There had been no ceremony, there had been no sexual union. Right? You go back and you read Matthew, Joseph, man, what a guy. Finds out his wife's pregnant, and he's like, I didn't do it. Well, I think I'll just, I'll tuck her away so she doesn't get stoned to death. And the angel says, no, the Holy Spirit did it. Hang on to that one. Joseph says, okay. Got more faith than I do. What happens? Verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. While in Bethlehem for the census, she was in labor. I'm guessing, just me, one of the things they tell you to do when you're nine and some months pregnant and, you know, the baby's just being stubborn, is you go for a walk, right? They say eat spicy food, go for a walk. Uh, in our case, watch Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Well, she was already in labor. But I figured I'd get him hooked on it early. It worked. There's a really good chance that by the time she got there, she was already in labor. Uh, I'm sure a walk that long would probably uh, would help move things along. And so she brings forth her firstborn son. This is a fulfillment of what Gabriel said would happen in Luke chapter 1. And I think it's interesting that it says that he is her firstborn son. Mary had at least six other children. If you go to Mark chapter 6, verse 3, you don't have to right now, but in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, her four other sons are named and daughters, plural, are mentioned. So she had at least six other kids. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. And of course, this would make sense. Even though Bethlehem was a small town over the previous 20, 30, 40, 50 years, probably been a lot of people who had been born there and moved. Like Joseph. And so they all came back to be counted and, you know, you didn't have Expedia back then, or or, or Airbnb, or Verbo, or whatever it was. You know, Joseph wasn't heading down the, the the desert, whatever, with his phone going, "Hey, I found this great little two bedroom, one bath, you know, villa, uh, cottage. Should, should I book it?" You got there, and you hoped you found a place to stay. And as we read this account in Matthew chapter two, the Magi are wise men. They actually came about two years later, right? So if you look at our our beautiful little uh, nativity scene set up over there, that's biblically inaccurate. (laughs) They all are. When you read that account, Jesus was in a house when they got there. Herod determined that the star had appeared two years earlier. They had been following that star for two years before they finally got there. And that's why Herod slaughtered all the children under two years old and younger, because he knew that the child had been born two years earlier. So it's kind of, you know, pretty to see Jesus lying in the manger and and the wise men coming and bowing down before him. But he was a toddler by the time this happened. Now, he's the son of God. He might be a different toddler than other toddlers, (laughs) but still a toddler. But that, of course, is another study for another time. For there is one born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all the things that they had heard and seen it was as, as it was told them. I want you just real quick, before we really move forward into this section, to look at the language surrounding Jesus' birth here. She brought forth her firstborn son. Right? Simple. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Oh, it's a little more profound, it seems. You'll find him lying in a manger and swaddling cloth. One of the things that has always fascinated me about Jesus' crucifixion, and I know I'm jumping way ahead, but whenever we read the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion in the Gospels, it's simple, and they crucified him. Right? They crucified him. Three simple words that have astounding meaning. She brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths. There it is. But can we even, I don't know about you, I already know I can't, can we even kind of understand what actually took place? God, our Creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through Him, and nothing was made that was not made through Him. He is our Creator. He is eternal. Jesus, as part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is omnipotent, is omniscient. He is sovereign. He is the king of the universe. He is God above all gods, Lord above all lords. And the plan was, well, I'll go as a baby. I'll have to wear diapers. I'll have to learn how to walk. I'll have to learn how to be obedient to my parents. I'll have to suffer the loss of my adopted father at some point. I'll have to go through the ridicule of my siblings. I'll get a job. I'll take care of my mama. Yeah, that sounds like the plan we should go with. I don't know about you. Were I the king of the universe? That's probably not the plan I'm going with. you right. That's why I'm not God, and you should all be very thankful. But that, that's the thought process that went into this. Then let's just try to figure out the mechanics of it. We know, again, if you've gone through some kind of basic biology, we all know where babies come from. The stork brings them on Christmas Day. But here we have the only time in human history that that didn't happen. The only child ever born where the egg wasn't fertilized like all of us were. How? How did the Holy Spirit take God and Put him as an embryo into Mary's womb. I got five bucks for anybody who can explain that. Five bucks. I guess I could offer like 10,000 because ain't nobody going to be able to explain it. We don't know. But look at what he did. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. That is incredible. That's why I say we should celebrate Christmas every day. Now, this last section is titled, The First to Worship Jesus. Because there are many who think the wise men from the East were the first ones to worship Jesus. That is not true. Now, we're talking about after his birth. Because the first one to actually worship Jesus um, was Elizabeth and john the baptist and we talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago but after he was born the first to actually bow down before him we have the angels announcing his birth and then we have the shepherds seeking him out and bowing down now again if i was a king and i was coming into a new country would i pick you know, the the lowest of the low in that culture to come and worship me or to come and receive me. You no, know, I'd want the red carpet and I'd want the, the military and I'd want, you, you know, pomp and circumstance and I'd want a big meal and I'd want the leadership of that country to welcome me and, and show that they respected and honored me. And in all of this planning, Father maybe asked Jesus at some point and said, Well, who should we tell first? Oh, why don't we pick some shepherds? Why don't we pick some shepherds? Because after all, if we go back to Micah chapter 5, Jesus came to shepherd his people. And so he chose to have the angels, who were his servants, to go to the shepherds first. So the angels appear to the shepherds in the field. The glory of God shines around them. I can only imagine what this looked like. They bring good tidings of great joy to all people. For Jesus Christ the Savior was born in Bethlehem. They tell the shepherds how to recognize him. And then they are joined by a multitude of their fellow angels. And they break into song. We were talking about this. Anybody ever seen the movie Enchanted? Great movie with Patrick Dempsey and Amy Adams and Adina Menzel and a few others. Anyways, they just released a sequel on Disney Plus that we haven't watched yet. Beside the point. But it's making fun of Disney princess movies. That's what this whole movie does. And there's this one scene where she's walking through Central Park in New York. And she comes across this guy. She sings a line to a song and he goes, oh, the, the guy goes, oh, you're, you're going to sing. Then this other guy starts singing a song. And he goes, well, well, he knows the song too. And later on, there's all these people singing and dancing. He's, How do all these people know this song? They were, they were teasing. I'm, I'm of the opinion uh, that this was planned. That's all I'm getting at. Is that the angels are like, all right, his birth is coming up. We got to get this song ready because we're going to be singing to the shepherds pretty soon. Glory to God in the highest. Doxa theos hupistos. All glory, honor, praise, and worship to the supreme God over the highest heavens. Right? Glory to God. So much more. So much more. Doxa theos hupistos. All glory, honor, praise, and worship to the supreme God over the highest heavens. And on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. In Greek, it's or something like that. Peace, quietness, rest, to set at one again, to have satisfaction, delight, kindness, and purpose just like we talked about shalom last night meaning so much more than just peace getting down to the point where a person is holy w-h-o-l-l-y holy well or complete in the peace of god this word here for peace irene uh, peace quietness rest set it one again Delight, kindness, and purpose reflects the same idea. John 10, 9 and 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Just beautiful glory to God. Now we see the shepherds' response. When the angels had gone away, the shepherds said, we need to get to Bethlehem. We need to go see this. We need to go see what the Lord has made known. They came with haste. They found him. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them. And all those who heard it marveled, and Mary kept these things in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. I honestly see three responses from the shepherds. Number one, they went. They went. As soon as the angelic concert ended, they went with haste to Jesus to see what God had revealed to them. Should our response be any different to understanding who Jesus is? We are commanded to go into all the world And to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them all the things that Jesus has taught us. That's our command, is to go. The shepherds, they went. It's beautiful. They shared. It's great to go, but if you go and keep your mouth shut, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good. There's a a saying that goes around that says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. You ever heard that? Yeah, it's dumb. Sorry, if you really like that statement. I hate to burst your bubble, but it's a dumb statement. Yes, the way we live our lives should reflect our salvation, should reflect the holiness and righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ, should reflect our growth in him and our being conformed to his image day by day. Absolutely. And that should be salt and light so people can see us and want what we have. But they're not going to get it if we don't tell them. You go read Romans chapter 10, how will they hear without a preacher? And then it's real easy to say, oh, so it's your job? Uh Uh-uh. We're all that preacher. We are all to do the work of an evangelist. We are all to share with our mouths the gospel that we should be living out in the rest of our lives. And that's what they did. You know, and what did they really do? They went, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. All they knew is that the angels told them that Christ the Savior was born. They went and they saw it and they said, hey, guess what? Christ the Savior is born. We have the blind man in the book of John who says, you know, I don't know all that what happened. This is what I know. I was blind and now I see. We see the ministries early on in John of, oh, we found the Messiah. Really? Yeah. Come and see. You don't have to have an advanced theological degree. You don't have to have This book memorized, although having some of it memorized is very helpful. You don't have to be a pastor or an evangelist or anything like that. You know what you need to do? You need to love people enough to tell them what Jesus has done for you and how he can do it for them too. It's that simple. And finally, they worshiped him. They went back to work, right? Because they couldn't leave their sheep out there for too long. They went back to work praising God for everything they had seen and heard since it was a fulfillment of what the angels had told them. The great commission that I mentioned a couple minutes ago is in Matthew 28. And honestly, even though this was long before Jesus ever gave that commission to his followers, they did it. Jesus told everyone to go, and the shepherds went. Jesus told everyone to make disciples and to teach them, and the shepherds shared. And Jesus reminds us that he will always be with us, even to the end of the age, and the shepherds worshipped. And now we get to Mary. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. She kept all these things close to her heart, and she considered them. Now, there's a really popular song this time of year. My kids laugh at me because I make fun of this song every year. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Yes, she did. (laughs) <laughs> right? I don't know all the words of that song because I hardly ever sing it. She knew! We always It's a beautiful song. I don't want to get anything against Mark Lowry. He's an amazing songwriter, and he's quite funny. If you've never heard him do his stand-up routine, loves the Lord, loves to share Jesus with people, but that song is a terrible song. Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew. She knew before this happened because Gabriel told her. Right? Elizabeth applauded her for her belief. What did she believe? She believed the word that Gabriel gave to her. And Gabriel told her, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of the Most High. Nations are going to rise and fall around him. She knew. Now, when we get to the prophecies of Simeon later on, she's told that a sword will pierce through her own soul because she was alive when Jesus was crucified. She was at the foot of the cross. Now, as a parent, I could not imagine watching that happen. I just couldn't. But she knew. I imagine it was a little shocking. I imagine she needed some time to process everything that had happened. Don't forget, she just had a baby. Right? And and Ladies, you just don't pop up from that like nothing happened, right? Just just imagine if you you had your baby in the hospital and people start showing up that you don't know, people who smell bad because they've been taking care of sheep, people who are dirty, right? And you're laying there in in pain and, and uncomfortable with a newborn baby, and on top of that, you're in a stable, and some guys that you don't know walk in and go, hey, we heard there was a baby in here. Get out! Right? That's what you would probably say. Go away! So, I'm sure, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on women, but I imagine she was a little hormonal at this point. Joseph's processing the fact that his wife, who wasn't really his wife yet, just had a baby who isn't his, but is supposed to be God. Right? I imagine Joseph's like, man, I need a beer. Right? Or whatever it was they drank back then. I'm not sure, but it would have been, right? We read it and and we we put it up in little models and and we talk about it and we paint beautiful pictures of it. I imagine this was a chaotic scene. I imagine this was a tough night for Mary. And so she needed time to process that. But she knew. As we close... Today we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Today we celebrate the day that hope was born. Mary saw the fulfillment of all that had been told to her, and she would be witness to the continued fulfillment throughout Jesus' life. And this is something that we can all take away with us today. There will come the day when we will see the fulfillment of all that we believe. Oh, what a glorious day that's going to be. We celebrate Jesus because in him is the promise and hope of eternal life. In him is our future, both here on earth and on into eternity. We celebrate him because he is our life and he is our salvation. And also, I think we need to be like the shepherds. We need to go where God tells us to go. We must share the gospel with all who will listen. And we must worship him throughout everything. May we keep all of this in our hearts and consider all that it means to us as we celebrate Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you for your word, which shares with us so clearly who he is and all that he's done for us. Thank you, Father, as we go about our day and our week. And Lord, I know we we have food waiting for us and maybe we have presents waiting for us. And and we have the various ways that we want to celebrate today. But the only reason we celebrate is because you have given us your Son. May we honor you in all of our celebration. The love that you gave. In Jesus' name.